we'll switch over and, and uh, introduce Sam. And uh, you may not know all that uh, he has, uh, experience he has in this area. And uh, then we want to dig into uh, Christian education. And we hope that this is uh, insightful and encouraging uh, to you. So, Sam, tell us about your, your background um, in adult education and in Christian education and uh, your interest in this, and then we'll jump into talking about it. Uh, well, uh, I mean, first of all, I'm a little uncomfortable because Chris told me that he was going to explain why he wanted to talk to me. He wasn't going to make me justify why I was up here, and then he I can bailed. make some stuff up. <laughs> um, obviously, he didn't tell you why he wanted to talk to me, but... Um, you're still not sure, are you? I am still not entirely <laughs> sure. Maybe by the end we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have an idea. Uh, but uh, Christian education, and, and by that, uh, specifically this evening, we're going to be talking about adult education, not going to necessarily be talking about children's education, has been something that's been very important to me over the entirety of my life. It's something that's very important to my father and to uh, many of his instructors that I got to know as I was a, a child and growing up. And it's just something that has always been important to me and uh, when we were members at Baker Heights, I was uh, a deacon over adult education for several years, and I, I worked on developing a whole lot of the infrastructure that we followed over there. And so it's just something that I have several years of experience uh, trying to work with, and it's something that it's deeply passionate to me, and so I do a lot of thinking about it, a lot of studying about it, and as you have discovered and Chris has discovered, if I can pin somebody down, I'll talk to them about it uh, <laughs> quite a bit. So, Good, good. Well, we want to we spend our time uh, talking about, really, Chris and Sam had, had uh, kind of narrowed it to, let's talk about the, the why, the what, and the how of adult Christian education. So, Sam, let's jump right into the why. Why adult education? Why is this important? Well, I mean, the simple fact is, if we go to the scripture and we try and find something that resembles our Bible classes, we're, we're not going to find it. Uh, it's simply not there. And, and so it is... Uh, something that we do that is a good thing that we do, and as I hope to uh, demonstrate, we have a lot of justification uh, for why we do it. But what we would typically find as adult Bible class and even our children's Bible classes are not something that are spelled out in the Scripture. And so I think it's very worthwhile that we consider why would we do these things? Why has this become a tradition, uh, especially in the churches of Christ? Because we have a strong tradition of education and Bible classes. Um, you know, it reminds me of... Uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, and, and Indiana Jones says to the government officials, didn't any of you guys go to Sunday school? You know, it's, it's one of those things where we have a strong tradition of having a biblical education, but we also struggle with getting people to participate in this. You'll notice that the same number of people that come into worship are not the same number of people that show up for Bible class, and it's something we're always trying to encourage people to participate in. We always struggle to find enough people to teach and enough uh, uh, people to participate in, in de determining what that program needs to be, and I feel like a reason why we struggle with getting people to participate in the numbers that, that we think that they should is because they truly don't understand the reason why. Why is this such a strong tradition in the church, and why is it such a good thing? And so... If, like I said, if we go to the scripture and we try and find adult Bible class, we're not really going to find it. Certainly not in the form that it takes today. But we will find a very strong precedent for God's people learning and being taught his will. And that's not just in the Old Testament, but it's also in the New Testament. God's people are supposed to know his commands. They're supposed to know his precepts. And not just individually, but they're supposed to know these things collectively, 
as a body. If you go through the Old Testament, there is a, a frequent occurrence where the law and the statutes of God would be read to the people collectively. They would all stand while the law was being read. If you can imagine getting uncomfortable in a padded pew during the 20 to 30 minutes that Chris preaches from the Word, imagine standing while the high priest read the entirety of the law and all the statutes of God before you and being happy and eager to do that. That has been a precedent that we find all through Scripture, and it's been something that has been important to God's people from the beginning. And so in trying to determine why we do something along the lines of an adult Bible class, I'm reminded of uh, Jethro's advice to Moses. Mm -hmm. You remember this is his father-in-law, and of course Moses is trying to uh, govern the people, and they're coming to Moses so he can make judgments and determinations between them. And when we think of Jethro's advice to him, what do we always remember? We remember that he said, well, you should appoint people to help you carry Mm -hmm. this load. Mm -hmm. But in fact, that's the second half of his advice. The first half of his advice, if we look in Exodus chapter 18, he says this, Now listen to me, I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. But here's the first part of his instruction, or his advice. Then teach them, the people, the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work that they are to do. And then he advises him to also set up other men to help handle these disputes. And so the first part of Jethro's advice was teach the people God's laws and God's statutes. Why? So that the burden itself would be lessened. So that people would not need Moses to make these determinations because they could look at God's law and God's statutes and they would know what was the right thing to do. So it wasn't just about distributing the load, but about teaching people how to better follow the word of God. And then I also think about Ezekiel chapter 44, when God is instructing the ordination of the Levites, one thing that they were instructed to do was teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And so even from the time of the Old Testament with the high priests and the very structured part of that worship, the intention was always that God's leadership that the people who were given leadership positions and responsibilities among his people were to teach the people, and not just teach them the facts and the figures, but teach them, as he says, to discern between good and evil, Mm -hmm. to discern what is right and wrong. And so it's always been God's plan and always been God's desire that not only do we know the facts and figures of these things, or not only do we appoint people who know the rights and wrongs of these things, but that we be taught these things so that we can make these determinations ourselves. And then if we want to go into the New Testament for something a a little more directly applicable to us, one of the problems that the Hebrew writer faced when he's writing to the church, he's writing to Christians, and he's trying to explain something about Christ, and he says this is difficult. He says, I've got a lot more to say about this, Mm -hmm. but it's difficult. Why? Because their hearing has become dull. Yeah. And so he says, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but instead you need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. But then what does he say at the end? He says, solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And so we see that teaching in the body and teaching God's people, it's not a luxury. You know, it's not something that we just concocted on our own. It's not just a helpful tradition or a handy tradition that, like, well, we can take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. It's really a necessity for God's people. 
And even in the early Hebrew church, uh, the, the church uh, that the Hebrew writer was writing to, they were struggling with these things. They struggled to know what was God's will and to discern between right and wrong, and they needed someone to teach them. And so I would say, really, the why of adult education, why do we do these things? Why do we put so much effort into it? And believe me, having talked with Jake about the amount of planning and effort he puts into this, it's a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time that none of us really know about unless you get behind the scenes and try and help with it. The reason we put that much help and that much effort into it is because it is a necessity in the church, not only so that we can know right from wrong, but so that we don't become dull of hearing and we don't end up needing someone to teach us again the elementary principles of God, but we can grow in maturity. Yeah. You, you, uh, this passage in Ephesians 4, if you want to turn there, uh, starting in verse 11, came to mind when he was talking about that uh, teaching in the New Testament where Paul writes, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the what's next? The teachers. teachers. You see that? So if there were teachers, then there were what? There were learners. Is that right? And if there were teachers, that means there was some format for learning, teaching and learning going on. And so, <clears throat> he, and so God set these roles in order. He, he put these roles there. And in verse, verse 12, Paul tells us why. Why did you put these roles there? To do this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. Well, how long do you do that for? And then he tells us in verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we'll no longer be children. So you mentioned dull of hearing and that, that growing up, that spiritual maturity, uh, these children, spiritual children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine. So to discern doctrine, discern truth and error, you need some what? Preaching and teaching and, of course, personal study so there needs to be a, an education and a maturing spiritually uh for for the individual and for the church collectively so so that these things don't happen by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful scheming and then verse 15 rather speaking the truth in love so who's doing the speaking well the apostles and prophets are no more but the evangelists the shepherds and the teachers you see that doing the speaking, uh, speaking the truth in love, we collectively are to do what? Verse 15, what does it say? Grow up, do you see that? In every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So that's amazing. It shows us how the, 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 the preaching, the education, uh, the spiritual growth, uh, what God has, has in mind and wants for his church. And then verse 16, from whom, talking about Christ, the whole body, that's all of us, uh, joined and held together in every joint with which is it, e it is equipped. When each part is working properly, so there's an individual contribution I need to make in terms of my participation, that makes the body grow so that it, I really like this last part, it builds itself up in love. Do you see that? How does the body grow? It builds itself up in love. How does that happen? When it's doing the things Paul just wrote about right here in the previous verses. That's amazing to just to slow down and, and see that. 
Well, it's one of those things where so often we will look at that very passage and we will assume when he talks about the building up of the body, we just read right into that numbers. We read into yeah. growing numbers in the yeah. body, but that's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about spiritual maturity. He's talking about spiritual growth and how the role of these people is not just to make more people come to church. It yeah. is to take the people who are the church and grow them spiritually, grow them so that they know God's will and can follow God's will, and then it creates a cycle of growth. Yeah. And as we'll see here in, in a few moments, that's the way God has always designed this thing to work. He has designed it so that we will teach each other and promote that spiritual growth among each other. And so I think that's important because we, we, it can easily be communicated that, or, or, or kind of perceived that people just want you at church because they want the numbers. Mm. And uh, when, when your heart is right, when your focus is right, it's, no, we want to help you grow in your relationship with God. And it takes more than just hearing the sermons, as good as those are, and as, and as, and as uh, nourishing as those are. Uh, if you're going to grow spiritually and be a vibrant, thriving Christian, you've got to ask yourself, is, is just getting that enough when there's more available if if i'm really trying to be a follower of christ don't i need to get as much as i can uh, and sit under as much as i can and study as much as i can you know when we're excited about a subject whether it be sports or hunting or you know whatever any kind of subject it is man we study that thing and on our t on our own time and uh, so we need to be that way when it comes to god's word it, it's one of those things that the root of most of the problems that we deal with is the fact that we don't realize the value of God's word and we don't realize the value of studying it and not only just studying it individually as we talked about in the, the 40s and 60s class uh, on Wednesday. You know, we have to have a personal plan for study. We have to be doing these things on our own. But as I hope as we've seen in, in the text, there is also a strong tradition and a strong precedent that God wants his people to study the word together. Mm -hmm. And it's not just sitting and listening to someone else preach or sitting and listening to someone else teach. Having an opportunity to gather together with uh, Christians of a stronger maturity, of a stronger knowledge, and be able to study with them and study at their feet and be able to learn more about God's word and learn more about how to discern between good and evil, that's part of how God designed the church to work. Yeah. And when we don't take advantage of that, then we don't see the benefit of it. There's a whole lot of people that wonder, why am I not seeing the spiritual growth that I want to see? Why am I not seeing all the benefits of the church that I'm supposed to see, but they're also not participating in these things that God clearly had a precedent for us to do? And so while we may not find Bible class exactly as we do it in the church today, in the scripture, we find evidence all through it that God's people were regularly and constantly getting together, studying God's word, and allowing other Christians to teach them so that they could also teach other Christians. That's something we're going to talk about here in a second. Yeah, so let's move to that. I guess that's the cue I'm <laughs> to uh, move to the what, I think, but... Uh, you know, you, you, uh, okay, you go ahead, and I've got a couple of thoughts about that. The what of, of uh, Christian education. 
Well, I mean, it is important what now, does this now look that we like for hopefully us? we've established yeah. you know why we do adult education, why it's important that we come together collectively and study God's word. So the question is, well, what does that look like? Yeah. What does it end up being? Okay, so we can't go to first something or others and find well your Bible class should be this number of people and it should have this type of a teacher and that we we don't find those kinds of instructions. And so the way we do Bible class is an expediency. And it's something that we can decide how best to approach it. And so when we do that, we need to make sure that we're doing it in the most effective way possible. We need to keep in mind what the purpose is behind it and then ensure that we're doing it the right way and that we're doing it in such a way as to get those results. Yeah. The one thing that always drove me crazy in trying to grow and, and increase the, the quality of an education program in the church is that for a lot of people, and even for a lot of elders, and I know this is not true of our elders, it simply was that we have adult Bible class because we do. We just have it because we have it. We have a tradition of it, and so we do it just to do it. And so we wouldn't ever not have these Bible classes, but we really didn't have a strong purpose behind them, and that then didn't govern what they should be. And so as we're trying to implement this, this type of education for adult Christians in the church so that we can grow in our maturity, so that we can grow the body the way Paul talked about, there may not be one single method that's the most effective. Yeah. Okay, so there's not going to be my particular style of teaching, love it or hate it, is not going to be the be-all, end-all. And I can't tell you, that well, to be a good adult Bible class teacher, you need to adopt my style or yeah. you need to use these tools. You don't have to have a PowerPoint presentation. You don't have to stand and do all these other kinds of things. But there are effective ways to do it. And there are at least two characteristics of these things, of, of adult education, that I think have to be there. No matter what your style is, and no matter what your preference is for how you teach, I think there are two characteristics that absolutely have to be there. And first and foremost, we have to always teach the truth of God's word. Mm -hmm. Now, that seems kind of silly. You know, that's one of those things that it, it should go without saying, right? If we're going to have adult Bible class education, it should be the truth. Well, yeah, it should go without saying, but it has to be said. Yeah. It has to be said because there's actually more to it than just not teaching an untruth. Obviously, if someone were to teach an adult Bible class and they were teaching something that wasn't accurate with the word or that wasn't true and they were leading people astray, obviously we wouldn't want that to happen. But the other aspect of that is not withholding any aspect of the truth because it's uncomfortable or because it might cause issues with people. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm reminded of, of Paul as he's giving his farewell to the uh, elders in Ephesus. He says this, he says, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. And then what does he say? He says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't withhold anything. Mm -hmm. And so one strong characteristic, one vital characteristic of adult education in the church needs to be that we teach the truth and we teach the whole truth yeah. and nothing but the truth. You know, as, as though we're standing up and taking a, yeah. a vow before we go into court, yeah. we need to teach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
And that really expands the scope of what we would consider an adult education because nobody wants to teach that class that's going to step on anybody's toes. Nobody wants to teach that class that gets everybody upset at them. Nobody wants to teach the really hard subjects. You know, that's always the, the mm -hmm. problem with trying to find teachers and say, well, we need someone to cover this difficult subject or we need someone to cover this difficult piece of scripture. Nobody really wants to do that. But a vital part of adult education in the church is that we don't hold back and that we cover everything that needs to be covered. That's going to be the only thing that actually leads to that spiritual growth of the body like we were talking about. Yeah. What, and uh, a couple of things. People may not realize that we start working. Actually, we're just pretty much finished with our planning for adult Bible classes for all of 2020. And this year we uh, implemented a, 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 a team to kind of try out a team approach to uh, thinking about our adult Bible classes. And we're going to continue to let that evolve and, and work that and get that uh, sharper and sharper. That was, I think, a good uh, a good move to uh, to bring some minds together uh, to help make sure we're providing better and better uh, increase just increasing quality over the years. We we don't want to think, okay, here's the way to do it, and then you know quality declines. We want to get better and better in, in terms of uh, thinking about what to teach and helping our teachers. That's a whole other area that. We probably don't have time to get into, but helping our teachers develop as well. Um, and, and so the reason, one of the reasons why we want people to be lined up, so there's people who know they're teaching in December of next year, and they know what they're teaching. And, uh, and so the reason is, is we want them studying. We want people studying. Uh, the folks that are teaching first quarter next year have, have known for a little while now, so, and, and they're already studying and preparing. Why? That helps you, to, helps us to make sure when they come before you in class, they have studied the Word of God and they're prepared to teach. So that, that whole counsel, and it's not just, okay, what am I teaching tomorrow? Let me Google something and, and find something, or, or uh, you know, what, what have I heard growing up? We want to make sure that those teachers are studying the Word of God and being sound uh, before they present it. We need to wrestle with the text before we bring it to uh, the people. And then, uh, also, all of our classes, except for the, uh, the auditorium class, are intentionally designed, supposed to be, to uh, have dialogue. We talked about teaching and learning from one another, that, that, that uh, dialogue in the class. Now, it can't just be conversation the whole time, but we want those classes to be planned for uh, asking questions, making comments, and, and kind of working through that together while that teacher still teaches and facilitates and gets to where they need to go, but we want people to have the opportunity to ask those questions about the text and to, to, to comment about them. Well, that's really the, the second vital characteristic of adult education is that as teachers, we show our work. Yeah, okay. And what I mean by that is, is a good teacher doesn't just tell us what to think. He doesn't just give us the facts of it. He's going to walk through and say, and this is how we came to this determination. Mm -hmm. He doesn't just lay out and say, well, some people think this and some people think the text means that. We go into the text together and he says, this is what I think it means and here's why. This is how I have studied this text. This is where these things tie together. This is how this passage ties together to this package. This is why this understanding of the text makes sense within the light of the entirety of scripture. And so th this goes back to the Levite priests and having to teach people to discern 
between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Because this isn't just a question of, well, do the people know what the facts are? Can people stand up and say, well, as the church, we do these things and we don't do these things? Or are we equipping them to say, this is what God's word says about these things. This is why he has us live this way. This is the benefit of living the way that God wants us to live. These are the motivations behind it. And so as yeah. a good education program and as good Bible class teachers, especially for adults, but even for the children, we have to show our work. Teach people how to study the word as part of teaching them what is in the word. It's not just relaying information. We're actually teaching people how to engage with the word to come to the conclusions that we are then presenting as the truth in class. And so this is a part of, you know, we always struggle with education programs of trying to say, well, how do we help teachers get better? Mm -hmm. How do we help each other become better teachers, more skilled teachers, better at presenting information? Well, a part of how that works is if our Bible class teachers are showing their work. You see, a good Bible class teacher that demonstrates to you this is the truth and this is how we determined it by getting into the text and doing a proper exegesis of the text, he is then going to be preparing everyone in that class to be able to make those kind of determinations on their own. See, if you sit in a Bible class with a good enough teacher for a long enough period of time, you're not only learning the truth of God's word, you're learning how to determine that truth from God's word, and then hopefully, if you're really paying attention, you're also learning how to present that information to other teachers. And so if we have a strong adult education program in the church, and we're showing our work as teachers, we're not only teaching the truth, we're not only teaching the entire counsel of God, we're also raising up other teachers. Yeah. It reminds me of Paul's instructions to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, what does he say? He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Mm -hmm. God's plan has always been that the truth be taught among us and that those of us who know the truth and know how to determine that truth from God's word share that information with other people. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, if you sit in a Bible class and a teacher won't tell you why he thinks what he thinks, then he's not doing it right. He's not teaching God's word appropriately. He should be able to go to the text and say, and this is why we think this. This is why I came to this conclusion. This is how we know when Paul wrote the book of Romans because of people that are mentioned in the last chapter that then coincide to things and people that are talked about in the book of Acts. These are how we make these determinations. This is how we know what we know about the text. And if we're doing it right in adult education, we're going to be providing for that next group of teachers. Yeah. We should be building up a wide group of teachers with every class that we teach. Yeah, that's exciting. We've got maybe four minutes left. Um, let's no think problem. I've never gone long. <laughs> never. <laughs> I believe that. Uh, it says every, all the laughter was the people who've been in one of my Bible classes. <laughs> they know it's four minutes means ten and a half. <clears throat> oh, no. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's, let's talk about uh, how to teach a Bible class. <clears throat> Chris has here that y'all have talked about kind of a two-pronged approach, the teacher and the student. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the thing that we don't tend to think about in Bible class is that it's participatory. 
And when we think about it being participatory, what we typically mean is, well, it's a discussion class. And that means at some point, I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to get my two cents in. Yeah. And it might not have anything to do with what he's talking about, but you know, it's a discussion class and by golly, I'm going to yeah. get my two cents into that yeah. kind of thing. And that's not really what I mean by being participatory. The simple fact is that all of these ministries are participatory. The preaching ministry, you participate in that as the audience. You have to come prepared in order to participate in the learning that takes place in the church. And so, first of all, it comes from the perspective of the teacher. He's got to be well organized and he has to be prepared. Now, if you're going to stand up and teach God's word, you need to recognize how important that is, and you need to do the due diligence, you need to put in the time to make sure that you understand what it is that you're standing up and talking about. It would be better not to have a class than to get up and teach something that you are not prepared to cover. But the other aspect of that is, unless you have stood up and taught an adult Bible class at a high level, people have no idea how much time really does go into that preparation. I've heard it said, and I can occasionally testify, that for every minute that you stand up teaching an adult Bible class, you have probably prepared anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour for that one minute. And so think about the fact that we typically ask men to stand up and teach a class for 40 minutes or 45 minutes. Consider the amount of time that they have put into making sure they're doing it right making sure they understand what's going on. And so the teachers have to invest a great deal of time. They have to be ready. They have to be organized and prepared. If you're standing up to teach God's word and you're flipping around trying to figure out what you're going to say, you're not doing it right. But it's also participatory on the part of the class. And the reason I actually explained how much time goes into a teacher preparing to teach an adult Bible class is because I want us to start respecting that time. I want us as students to come to class prepared to study God's word, prepared to listen, and prepared to respect the fact that that man spent hours, most of the time, not full time. He went to his job, he cared for his family, he did all the other things that he had to do during the week, and then typically late at night, or at the expense of some personal entertainment or some personal relaxation, he was in God's word and he was preparing to teach that class. See, when we talk about the Bereans, and we always talk about how noble the Bereans were, we tend to jump to the second half of the statement, where we talk about how, oh, yeah, that's right, they they would question the gospel, they would question the word to see if these things were true. They would dig into the text to see if these things were true. But that's the second half of the statement. What it says first is that they were more noble than the Thessalonians. Why? Because they were eager to hear the word. See, that's really the difference between them and the people in Thessalonica. They were eager to hear the word. And so as being participatory in a Bible class, we need to come eager to hear the word, excited to hear the word. Have you ever sat at a dinner table and and you see someone bringing the main course to your table and you get that little feeling of excitement? You're like, yes, look, it's coming and it looks great. Why can't we feel that way about God's word? Job described it as being better than his daily food. That's the way we need to think about God's word. We need to come prepared to study, come prepared to hear, open our minds, open our hearts, eager to hear the word. And an aspect of that that I I hesitate to even mention, but, you know, you can all be mad at me. Don't be mad at Jay. (laughs) I don't mean to insult anyone. I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings. 
But I guarantee that in this church, just like in every other congregation I've been a part of, there are those of us who have never been late to work a day in our lives. And our kids have never been late to school a day in their lives. And yet we've never managed to make it on time to Bible class a day in our lives. You're not supposed to talk about that. I know, we're not supposed to talk <laughs> about that. But that's a part of how adult education is participatory. Yeah. We have to come and respect the time that's been put into it. Respect the purpose that God has tied to this education. The purpose that he has tied to his church. And we respect that by being eager to hear that word. And that means doing what it takes to get here so that when the man is ready to teach class, he can start. So that when class is ready to go, we are there. We are in the seat and we didn't wake up 10 minutes ago. We have been eagerly looking forward to hearing the word. Let's participate in this thing. So if we're going to teach Bible class, let's be prepared. Let's earn that respect that we're asking of the students. And then as students, let's show up eager and ready to hear God's word. That's exciting, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm so thankful for our, our strong tradition, our history uh, that comes from Baker Heights and was carried over here for uh, solid Christian education, Bible teaching. And I know that's what uh, one of the main things people appreciate here. We'll close with this. Jesus uh, prayed this uh, and sa said this in, in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And, and that's what we want for every one of you and every, every person that's a member here, everyone that we can reach. We want that for them, to know God and Jesus Christ, uh, the one that God sent. And so uh, that's, that's what everything we do is ultimately about. And, and we hope this has uh, blessed you. And if there's anything we can do, tonight for you to help you in your relationship with God, to help you in your relationship with Christ. Uh, we want you to know that we're here for you. And uh, so Jim is going to, where did Jim go? Jim's going to lead us in an invitation song. And if we can help you in any way tonight, you're free to come forward now as we together stand and sing.